Hello, I'm Matt, and this is Ghostthropology. Ghostthropology presents discussion of ghost stories and beliefs, and how we share ghost folklore, and importantly, how belief in the supernatural reflects who we are. While I don't know when or where or how you are listening, I hope it's dark outside, as that is the best time for ghost stories. Episode 52, Zozo, the Ouija Board Demon. Ouija boards, or more accurately, talking boards, as Ouija is simply one brand, much as Kleenex is one brand of tissue paper and Xerox is one brand of photocopier, are deserving of an episode of their own. They could easily be an entire podcast series given their history. However, there is a specific phenomenon of the talking boards that I would like to discuss today. Zozo, the Ouija board demon. In 2009, a man by the name of Darren Evans posted a story on the True Ghost Tales website. This story warned of the dangers of using Ouija boards and of one specific entity that you might encounter. Per Evans' 2009 account, he would dabble with a Ouija board and frequently found himself confronted with an entity that called itself Zozo. The entity would at first appear friendly and helpful, but would soon become menacing and start making threats and speaking in a vulgar manner through the Ouija board. Evans described it as cussing him in Hebrew and Latin. I'm not sure what he means by cussing or how you would cuss somebody rather than cuss at somebody, or even how a language with a completely different alphabet like Hebrew would be conveyed via the Ouija board, but that is what he wrote. He also reported that Zozo showed an advanced knowledge of Christian scripture and biblical history. During the Ouija sessions, Zozo would often state that it wanted to take possession of Evan's girlfriend, often saying that it wanted to eat her soul and take her to paradise. When asked where paradise was, it would say that paradise was hell. But according to Evans, it soon went beyond Zozo saying creepy things in the Ouija board and began to spill out into the real world. The first time Evans began to think that Zozo might be impacting the world outside of the Ouija board was when he walked into the bathroom to find his one-year-old daughter in a bathtub that was beginning to overfill and in which she could easily have drowned. Her mother, Evans' girlfriend at the time, had left the room for just a second. The child was then struck with an illness that caused her tongue to swell to the point that it nearly asphyxiated her, and she had to be in isolation for 14 days while the doctors tried to determine what the mystery infection was. At the same time, his girlfriend began to become withdrawn and uncaring, and she sometimes looked like she had entered into a trance-like state. This seemed consistent with Zozo's desire to possess and damn the woman. Before long, poltergeist activity began to occur in the home, Objects would move of their own accord. Voices, sometimes talking, sometimes screaming, could be heard coming from within the walls. Lights would turn themselves off or on. Doors would unlock and open on their own. And the house seemed to have an abnormally large number of spiders. Evans also found himself physically attacked. He woke one night unable to breathe and felt hands around his throat. After a short time, the pressure released and he was able to catch his breath. One night, Evans and his girlfriend's brother were standing outside and talking, when Evans thought to look into the house and proclaim that Jesus Christ rebukes whatever had been haunting them. 
The two men then heard a loud boom that shook the house. And after that, the poltergeist activity, the strange behavior from his girlfriend, and other strange things ceased. Evans and his girlfriend eventually broke up, and he moved to Michigan. When describing his past experiences with Zozo to a new girlfriend, she wanted to experiment. So, despite knowing it was a bad idea, Evans began using a Ouija board with her. Zozo once again returned and made itself known through the Ouija board by immediately beginning to make objects in the house move, especially a skeleton skateboarder necklace that Evans' new girlfriend's son had left in the room. Zozo even showed itself, instructing Evans to turn out the lights and take a picture. The photograph showed winged skeletons that matched the necklace and several frightening faces. At this point in his original post, Darren Evans states that he began looking online and found that there were many other people who had encountered Zozo through the Ouija board, and that Zozo is a demon also known as the Destroyer. At the end of this post, he explains that he is working on a book and is working with a demonologist. He concludes his post by warning people to avoid Ouija boards and to never seek out Zozo. And a book did indeed come out, co-authored with a prolific but now deceased author who had written quite a bit on the subjects of paranormal and folklore, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And thus, the lore of Zozo continues to develop. Part of the development came from Evans. His book and a blog he started provided further details of his own experiences. For example, he added details about his first encounters with Zozo. As the story goes, when Evans was a teenager, he encountered an unusual Ouija board. This board had the name Zozo emblazoned across it where the word Ouija would have been on a normal Parker Brothers board. The board was found under the house of Evans' at-the-time girlfriend. The person who found the mysterious board was either Evans or a contractor. I have seen both stated. And the mysterious board was found in a crawl space partially buried and next to jars containing the remains of dead blackbirds, which Evans took to be charms intended to keep the power of the board at bay. Using this board was what first put Evans in touch with Zozo, and it would lead to his future troubles. But of course, Evans wouldn't be the only person telling stories of encounters with Zozo. In 2017, Tim Wood and Selena Summers would live stream their talking board sessions in which they made contact with Zozo and he played mind games with them. The true identity of Zozo has been contested. Some hold that Zozo is simply a name used by a rotating cast of devious demons, each of which has its own characteristics, who are protected from exorcism by the fact that they use Zozo as an alias rather than their actual names. There are those who disagree and say that Zozo is actually a specific demon, one who serves as either the patron demon of destruction to humanity or a regular demon who is associated with the number 28 and sexual perversion. Some claim that Zozo is nothing but an alias for Satan himself. I found numerous sources that claim great antiquity for Zozo, and even some that claim that he provided ancient magicians with incantations and tools for their spells. Other stories of Zozo encounters abound and are more mundane. Typical tales of creepy Ouija board sessions, but with Zozo identifying itself rather than the more generic self-identification of the devil. Poltergeist activities, shadowy humanoid figures moving just outside the range of a flashlight or lantern, and even glowing red eyes and darkened rooms feature in many of these tales. I'm not even going to bother to link them in the show notes as simply going to Google or YouTube and typing in Zozo Demon will bring you everything I have seen and more. 
Suffice to say, while it is open to question whether or not Evans claimed that he had found posts online by people who had also encountered Zozo back in 2009 is true, since then, mentions of Zozo on message boards, websites, YouTube, and so on have proliferated. Zozo's nature and origins are mysterious and murky, but what is clear is that Zozo is out there, and anyone who uses a Ouija board is at risk of encountering this fiend. Commentary. Before I start, I want to mention that in researching this episode, I came across a series of children's books featuring an adorable white bunny named Zozo, and I learned that the original name for the character of Curious George was Zozo. Coincidence? Yes. Yes, it is a coincidence. Zozo is also the name of a Japanese fashion e-commerce site, so, you know, demonic clothes, I suppose. Oh, and Zozo is also the name of a golf championship, which uh, doesn't really surprise me. Point is, there's a surprisingly large number of things named Zozo out there in the world, and a Google search will find everything from e-commerce to a Swedish drama film to children's books. Okay, with that out of the way, I think that the place to start with Zozo is with the beginnings of Zozo as a phenomenon of modern internet folklore. The origins of the story of Zozo are interesting and somewhat muddy. The current Zozo phenomenon begins in March 2009 with a post on the True Ghost Tales website by one Darren Evans. In this post, he describes using a Ouija board, communicating with an entity called Zozo, and that Zozo then went on to ruin his life. Evans describes this in his original post and then goes on to further elaborate his experiences in a book titled The Zozo Phenomenon that he co-wrote with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who wrote several of the books that I routinely use as sources. Many online sources state that Zozo, or possibly Zoso, with an S in place of the second Z, is described in the 19th century Dictionnaire Infernal, proving that the demon or spirit is not a modern phenomenon or hoax. I found an online scan of the book, and within it, I found the following text pertaining to a young woman said to be possessed. I have to apologize for any error, as I do not speak French and therefore had to use Google Translate, and my pronunciation of French words will probably be wrong. Quote, she was, she said, in the power of three demons, Mimi, Zozo, and Crapulette, unquote. This was quite interesting, as, in my experience, when a story that gains traction on the internet claims that it is backed up by earlier sources, those earlier sources usually say nothing at all to support the claim, and the claimants are typically hoping that nobody will look it up. However, in this case, the original source, or at least the 1863 edition that I found, does in fact say exactly what various websites claim it does. The discussion of Zozo is brief, but it does indicate that it is a demon and that it possessed a young woman in the company of two other demons. Interestingly, this was not the only source that mentioned Zozo. Evans also points to volume 28 of the Month and Catholic Review from 1876, in which there is mention of the Mass of Zozo. I have checked this book and, indeed, it does speak of the Mass of Zozo. Though here, the Mass of Zozo is part of a bit of rhetoric in a sermon by the medieval preacher St. Bernardine, in which Satan is said to have set up a church of gaming. 
in order to lure gamblers away from Christianity, with the Mass of Zozo being one of the services related to this hypothetical satanic church. So yes, Zozo is mentioned, albeit very briefly, but as the name of a mass to and for all demons rather than a specific entity. What's more, I have to emphasize that the entire matter of the satanic church of gambling, including the mass of Zozo, is not an actual church, but a rhetorical tool, i.e. a way of associating 14th and 15th century gambling houses with Satan by a famed medieval preacher. I suppose the truly determined could make an argument that the fact that Parker Brothers sells the Ouija board as a game, and that this sermon indicates that the mass of Zozo would be associated with gambling houses, both suggest that things that are sold as fun amusements might be conduits for the demonic Zozo. But as gambling has always been gambling, whereas the Ouija board was developed as a religious spiritualist tool that for a variety of reasons, ended up being sold as a game, I feel like this is stretching things a bit too far. You may or may not disagree with me. Incidentally, St. Bernardine, who gave the sermon warning of this church of gambling, is the patron saint of lungs. No, I am not making that up. Evans also cites a mention of Zozo as a ruler among demons, in what he describes as a 1998 French translation of an 8th century Tibetan document. And while the document Evan cites does mention Zozo and does seem to indicate that Zozo is a lord or master of demons, I do not read French and could not find a digital version of the document that I could run through Google Translate. As such, I could not clearly make out the context of the statement, aside from to say that it discussed the epoch of the creation of the world by God and then discussed the role of demons, including Zozo. But again, I don't speak French, and what I could make out was filtered through my knowledge of Spanish and my much more limited knowledge of Latin. So take it with a grain of salt. Importantly, the book in question, titled Les Neuf Forces del Homme, Recit des Confins du Tibet, again, I apologize for murdering the pronunciation, is not a translation of a Tibetan document, but rather an ethnography of the Sharwas, also called Sherpas, an ethnic group within Tibet. The portion that mentions Zozo might be a translation of an early Tibetan source, but it may be something else. I cannot find an English translation, but if one becomes available to me, I will want to check to see what is actually being said and whether or not the text Evan cites comes from an older document. I also found a reference on one website to the name Zozo being applied to a demon or evil spirit on a Nigerian website in 2005, but could not find the website to confirm. Continuing with pre-2009 mentions of Zozo, there is also a play by Jacques Edouberti in which Zozo is mentioned as one of the guises of the devil. In addition, in the 2000 John Waters film, Cecil B. Demented, one character claims that her father is Zozo, Zozo with a hyphen between the two syllables. To be clear, the whole quote is that her father is Zozo, the three-headed dog that guards the gate to hell which, if you remember your mythology, Cerberus is the name of the three-headed hell-guarding dog. And really, Mr. Waters, how many three-headed dogs does hell need? So I was able to confirm that there is a historic precedent for using the name Zozo, or some variation of it, to refer to something demonic prior to 2009. That is pretty interesting. Still, regardless of the historic use of the name, the current popularity of the Zozo stories stems from Darren Evans' original Ouija board story. 
After his initial 2009 post, Evans has gone on to make discussing Zozo a big part of his life. As noted, he co-wrote a book on the matter. He has also been a guest on multiple TV shows, as well as Coast to Coast AM, was in the feature film I Am Zozo, and has promoted Zozo stories through his blog, Darren Evans Paranormal, on which he also sells his music, books, and, if I'm not much mistaken, hand-painted smudge feathers, though the link doesn't work, so I might be misunderstanding that. The blog's last update is dated as 2019, although it contains references to COVID-19 as well as a few other statements that indicate that it was updated or at least edited in 2020. I should note, it doesn't look as if Mr. Evans was trying to make the 2019 post look as if it predicted things after the fact, but rather as if he added to or corrected elements in 2020 to an already published 2019 post. In that last blog post, he attempts to tie Zozo into prophecies from the Book of Revelation to connect it to predicted reduced industrial and agricultural output, which was predicted to begin around 2020 based on the World 3 Dynamic Systems model that was the basis for the 1973 book Limits to Growth, and also to tie Zozo into a number of less respected and less well-sourced attempts at predicting the future. In all of these cases, he was claiming that the year 2020 would be apocalyptic, and while the year 2020 was pretty bad, it was not actually the apocalypse. Darren Evans' blog is a fun, if wild, read. But the blog also illustrates what many people see as a sign of Evans not being on the level. His original story about Zozo from 2009 was creepy, if over the top, but it was also the common stuff of urban legends. There are many other Ouija board stories nearly identical to it. Hell, I heard a number of them growing up in the 80s. But with each retelling, on the blog, in his co-authored book, on television and radio, and through his participation in making the Zozo film, Evans makes Zozo more powerful and more grandiose until that final 2019 blog post in which Zozo is a powerful leader within hell itself and is on the cusp of making the world his. It's all a bit much, and it feels like Evans wasn't ready to give up his time in the spotlight, and as such, had to keep raising the stakes. Others have pointed out inconsistencies in the various tales Evans tells. For example, the original version of the story from 2009 blames Parker Brothers for producing Ouija boards and doesn't indicate that there are any special ones that would be particularly good for contacting Zozo. But in 2016, Evans adds that the board on which he initially contacted Zozo was found buried underneath a house, with jars containing materials consistent with a charm in each corner, and that it had the word Zozo written across the front where the word Ouija is on regular Parker Brothers boards. Sometimes, he says that Zozo is written on the back and not on the front. Now, one could easily say that this is all true and is simply details that Evan omitted from his earlier tellings. The variation of Zozo being printed on the back rather than the front of the board is simply misstatements of the sort that we are all guilty of. And sure, that's possible. In my day job, I have found odd things hidden in places where those who placed them thought nobody would ever look, including underneath houses. And I have also mistakenly described objects that I am familiar with, so this could be the case for Evan's. At the same time, it's hard not to notice that these details are coming about at a time when Zozo is moving away from him and into a larger collective folkloric context. 
And it also is hard not to see these added details, as well as Evan's insistence that Zozo is more powerful and older than he had initially surmised, are indications that Evans wished to remain in the center of the Zozo discussion, whether out of a sense of ownership or simply because he was the first popularizer. While most discussions of Zozo online still cite Evans, most have also moved beyond him. Evans may genuinely believe in Zozo, and he could genuinely think that he's warning the world of real dangers. I don't know. But at the same time, this all feels weirdly desperate to me, as if signaling for attention. The entire sequence of events, from a surprisingly popular entry on a paranormal website, to being involved in a feature film, to being celebrated on a range of television and radio shows, etc., all centered Darren Evans as an authority on a subject and brought him fame within the paranormal enthusiast circles. I could see how he might not want to let Zozo fade away or allow it to be consumed as yet another part of the online paranormal ecosystem without his name attached. If Zozo is his creation, rather than simply something that happened to him, then his need to consistently up the stakes makes more sense. Still, there are those 19th century sources that mention Zozo, including the 19th century periodical that cites a medieval saint who spoke of the mass of Zozo. So, the notion that there was an entity known as Zozo, or some phenomenon known as Zozo, prior to 2009 proves that Darren Evans is telling the truth, right? This confirms his claims, doesn't it? Well, maybe, but not necessarily. There are a few different ways to read this. One, and the favorite amongst those interested in the paranormal, is that Zozo is a real entity encountered by humanity over the centuries, and specifically encountered by Darren Evans. From there, things play out more or less how Evans has described them, and Evans has simply learned more about Zozo and now knows Zozo to be a bigger threat than he had initially thought. Another way to see it is that the name Zozo, or a name like Zozo, is floating around in our communal culture. Now, a lot of people will cry foul and insist that there is no way that Mr. Evans could be expected to have heard of Zozo prior to his encounter, except that Zozo is name-checked in Cecil B. Demented, a movie that came out in 2000, and that Zozo, replacing the second Z with an S, was used as Jimmy Page's symbol in Led Zeppelin. At least, the symbol that was used, the origin of which is a bit unclear, looked like the English letters Z-O-S-O, -O, whether they were intended to or not. So the name Zozo, or something similar, was readily available to fans of oddball movies and classic rock in 2009. As to where Jimmy Page and John Waters got it from? Well, Jimmy Page is known to have a fascination with Western esotericism, which draws both from historical Christianity and from Asian religions, and which got an infusion of quasi-satanic imagery via Anton LaVey in the 1960s. Page has also claimed that he got the Zoso symbol from a 16th century book. John Waters, while not as well known for his interest in esotericism, is an intelligent and well-read fellow, so it is likely that he got the name of Zozo from one of those various sources, or perhaps the writing of Jacques Adabriti. Add to that the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, the name Zozo is actually not at all uncommon. 
A few more fun examples. It is the nickname of the city of Carrizozo in Mexico, the title of a 2005 movie about a Lebanese boy in Sweden, a musical project formed by Linda Ronstadt and Anne Savoy, and is a personal name common in the Mediterranean region. So, while not a household name, Zozo was a name out there in pop culture prior to 2009, and Evans himself even makes explicit reference to Led Zeppelin and a possible reference to the John Waters film in the original 2009 post. Quote, what is this Zozo? Supposedly, the three-headed dog demon which guards the gates of hell has a tattoo on its forehead that spells Zozo, note, with an S in place of the second Z. Also, Zozo is a term Aleister Crowley claimed meant 666. Jimmy Page of the rock group Led Zeppelin also used Zozo, again, an S in the place of the second Z, as a symbol on the Zeppelin IV album. Could Zozo and Zozo be connected somehow? Unquote. So Evans knew the term before he posted in 2009, and he could easily have come across any of the other uses of the name Zozo discussed here, or even some that I haven't discussed here because my review of the use of the name is not exhaustive. Also, we can't ignore the similarities of the name Zozo to the name of Pazuzu, who is the Mesopotamian demon god who found his victim through a Ouija board in the book and film The Exorcist. And then there is the similar-sounding Gozer, the name of the villain in the original Ghostbusters. Evans would have heard of both of these names, and he might have decided to tweak them a bit and then run with it. So if we accept that the term was known to Evans prior to him posting about it, you can look at this three ways. One, the entity is real and used the name Zozo either because that is its real name or because it knew that the name would have resonance in pop culture and that would make it seem scary, and its intention was to frighten Evans. The additional details are a mix of things that Evans experienced but omitted in earlier tellings and things that he learned through further research. 2. The entity is not real, but Evans had an experience common to people who used divination tools and tricked himself into thinking he was communicating with something, and then the name Zozo came up subconsciously because of its pop culture connections. The later additions might be inventions or might be things that Evan came to believe through a combination of further reading and additional experiences. Three, and I must admit, I find this one the most likely, Evans wanted to write something fun and creepy for the True Ghost Tales website, and when it came time to name his villain, he, tongue-in-cheek, used a name that was tied to a John Waters film and to Led Zeppelin. The story itself is sufficiently over-the-top and is inconsistent enough between Evans' various tellings that I do think this sounds like the most likely explanation. As the story took off, Evans tried to remain involved and invented new details. And, though it will ruffle some feathers for me to say this, possibilities 2 and 3 are not entirely mutually exclusive. Evans may have had an experience that he couldn't explain, and then both invented details and also acquired some through legitimate research and further experiences, and then he may have embellished all of this to entertain people. As you can probably guess, I am skeptical that Zozo is real, and I do suspect that there is an element of invention at work here, though I can't tell you exactly where that begins or ends. But in the end, that is my opinion based on what I have read. Still, there are pre-2009 references to a demon named Zozo sprinkled here and there, including in old religious and esoteric works, and that's pretty interesting. Even to my skeptical mind, that's pretty creepy. 
But this is ghostropology. And while the question of Zozo's origins is interesting in and of itself, it's not what I tend to get into. So that brings us to where most of these episodes end up. Why did the Zozo story take off? Part of the reason for its popularity is likely tied to the reason why I suspect Darren Evans wrote the initial story as he did. Ouija boards have a sinister reputation with the public. Those who see them in neutral terms as either novelty items or with no power or as neutral tools for spiritualist practices are much less vocal than those who see them as either demonic and therefore to be avoided or deviant and therefore to be sought out specifically because they see them as either shocking or tools for occult knowledge. But unlike other supernatural encounters, which seem to happen by chance or due to someone going to a place that the listener may or may not have access to, Anyone can buy a Ouija board if they feel so inclined. Even I have one. Well, technically, I have a novelty Kate Bush-themed talking board that a friend of mine manufactured as a joke, but it is more or less a Ouija board. This accessibility means that, unlike many spooky tales, anyone hearing a story about a Ouija board has the potential to try contacting the spirit or demon themselves. In this sense, Ouija board stories share a similarity with cursed or haunted films that one can watch in their own homes, as discussed in episode 32. So the accessibility of the tool gives these talking board stories a bit of an edge in the supernatural folklore market. But why did this one become so popular? Well, I think there are two things at work. The first is the simple assignment of a name to the entity. When I was younger, many people warned me of the dangers of Ouija boards but they always attributed the danger to Satan, who seems a little too important to bother with a teenage dork like I was, or to more generic evil spirits, which is vague to the point of being boring. People who were really enterprising would say that you might be contacted by a demon that called itself Natas or some other anagram of Satan. But Zozo is different. It's a specific name that, according to the modern folklore that has built up, is specifically tied to Ouija boards. So while Satan may have bigger fish to fry, Zozo specifically hangs out waiting for Ouija board users. Even in the versions of the stories that hold that Zozo is simply another name for Satan, the simple use of the name and the association of it with the Ouija boards makes it seem like this is a specific danger for this specific activity. And that feels somehow less abstract and more concrete. The second is the name itself. While Zozo is not necessarily a threatening name, as noted, it is associated with a large number of decidedly non-demonic things, it is nonetheless similar to, and sounds almost like a corruption of, Pazuzu, again the name of the demon from the book and film The Exorcist, which also entered its victim's life via a Ouija board. So the name sounds right in a culture where the exorcist has left an oversized impression on how people think about demons and spirits. It is worth noting that several websites I read while researching this episode specifically stated that Catholic rituals were effective against Zozo, which is interesting since, as was discussed in episode 47, Catholics are less likely to engage in exorcism rituals than other Christian denominations, but are associated with it nonetheless because of the success of films like The Exorcist. And as I previously noted, Zozo also sounds similar to Gozer, the demonic god that was the villain of Ghostbusters. So another pop culture point that would make the name seem right. 
In addition to the question of why Zozo may seem more real or plausible to consumers of online tales of dread, there is also some reason that Zozo would be appealing to content creators. The first and probably simplest reason for Zozo's popularity, if insufficient by itself, is that Zozo, being claimed to be a real entity, would be free of the encumbrances of copyright. You can no more copyright Zozo than you can copyright Abraham Lincoln. Per the U.S. Copyright Service, copyright does not protect facts, ideas, systems, or methods of operation. So if Zozo really exists, then Zozo's existence is a fact and cannot be copyrighted. For Darren Evans to enforce any kind of claim on Zozo, he would have to claim to have invented Zozo, which would contradict everything that Evans has claimed to this point. A similar matter played out many years ago when the authors of a book of pseudo-history titled The Holy Blood and the Holy Grail attempted to sue author Dan Brown because of similarities between their claims and his book The Da Vinci Code. As the authors of The Holy Blood and the Holy Grail had claimed that their work was a study of history rather than the weird conspiracy theory nonsense it actually was, they had essentially given up the ability to claim it as intellectual property. So Zozo is free for authors to use. Side note, the ghostthropologist is not a lawyer, so do not take legal advice from me. Also, avoid taking fashion advice from me. Zozo is, in effect, an open-source horror story, much like Slender Man. The difference being that there are at least some content creators who seem to genuinely believe in Zozo's existence, or the possibility thereof. Another reason to choose Zozo as the center of a supernatural tale is that Zozo has been commodified to a large degree. There are published books on Zozo, a feature film, and YouTubers whose primary income is based around making videos. This creates an interesting dynamic. As much as people, and especially people on the internet, like to rail against the need for gatekeepers, we do tend to assume that if something has made it through the gatekeepers, it is more worthy of our attention than something that is not. So, while you might feel obligated to read your friend's self-published novel, you are more likely to be genuinely interested if a major publisher were to publish it. In addition, film studios have a vested financial interest in the materials that they produce succeeding, and as such will typically put some effort into publicizing them. So the fact that Evans and others have published books about Zozo, and that there is a feature film about him, makes Zozo seem more legitimate. Therefore, it is more likely that people wanting to write stories about demons and people who may be genuinely worried that they will encounter a demon will think of Zozo. Having a specific name is also a reason why many people seem to be ready to buy into the notion that Zozo is real. Again, providing an identity makes the threat seem more concrete, more chilling, and more true. Enough people have warned me about various things putting me face to face with evil spirits, demons, and even Satan enough times in my life that it all feels laughably generic, but by attaching a more specific name, the threat somehow feels fresher and more real. There is power in a name, especially in folklore, and the better online writers know that. Of course, there is another way to think about Zozo. It is possible that Zozo, like the Slender Man, may be an element of internet folklore in which the participants are all well aware that they are making it all up. The intended audience is likewise aware, and those of us not in the know think that people take this all much more seriously than they actually do. This would not negate the points I've already made, but it would add another layer to the consideration of the growing lore of Zozo.
Based on what I have been able to find, I don't believe that Zozo is in the same camp as Slenderman, where everybody who is in the target demographic knows it's fake and that is part of the fun. Many of the books, websites, blog entries, YouTube videos, etc. regarding Zozo appear to be sincere from people who genuinely believe, are honestly asking about the existence of this demon, or who appear to be people who want to appeal to those who are genuinely fearful and or curious about demons and Ouija boards. The involvement of Rosemary Ellen Guiley as the co-author of Darren Evans' book on Zozo suggests that it was intended to be taken seriously and not as a bit of published creepypasta. That said, I have also read Zozo stories and watched Zozo videos that seemed so over the top that they seemed to fall into self-parody, and I can't help but suspect that some of that was intentional on the part of people treating Zozo as yet another creepypasta creature to be added to and manipulated at the pleasure of amateur writers and ghost story hobbyists. I have to admit that I enjoy those bits of media quite a lot. As you can probably tell, I don't really buy into the Zozo lore. But then, I also was the kid on the playground who thought everyone who claimed to have contacted a demon was full of it. Even in my youth, when I was much more likely to believe in all manner of supernatural claims, including stories about demons, I tended to find most Ouija board stories to be a bit silly. But the advent of Zozo has breathed a bit of new life into the anti-talking board hysteria. And while such unfounded fear is probably not great for society at large, it does lead to some fascinating folklore. If you have a weird tale, have had a strange experience of your own, or know of a bit of local lore that should get a wider audience, please feel free to contact me at ghostthropology at gmail.com. That's G-H-O-S-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail. You can find more at kmmamedia.com. Click on the Ghostthropology link and you can find episodes, transcripts, sources, and a link to support us through Patreon. Spooky!